0: Is the art of masculinity with your host Johnny Elsasser. Hey everyone! Today's guest is Zach Blankney. He is a peak performance and freedom coach who helps men transform porn addiction into peace, purpose, and prosperity. His Red Pill method blends science-based methodologies with emotional intelligence and consciousness truth that rapidly shifts limiting beliefs alchemizes shame and guilt into love and gratitude and creates lasting healing of addiction this episode is so much more than just breaking and transforming porn addiction because there's so much that Zach brings to the table. But if you are a guy that's struggling with it, with that, this is definitely the episode for you. And if you're a guy who may not even think that he has any issues around porn, you might want to take a listen today because there are some things that Zach brings out that we can do in our own lives to check and see if we are sneakily attached to something like porn and how it's affecting our life. So as always, guys, enjoy the episode and I will see you around the corner. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Art of Masculinity. Today we have Zach Blakeney on here. How are you doing, brother?
1: I'm doing fantastic. Thanks, Johnny.
0: Hey, man, it's it's great to have you on. You and I got to connect uh, the other week and it was really cool to hear about your mission in the world today. And you know, Zach is a peak performance and freedom coach who helps men transform porn addiction into peace, purpose, and prosperity. He's got the red pill method, which is a pretty dope name for all of us matrix fans, uh, <laughs> blends science-based methodology, emotional intelligence with consciousness, truth that rapidly shifts limiting beliefs, alchemizes shame and guilt into love and gratitude and creates lasting healing, uh, healing of addiction. Yeah. And that's fucking dope, man. Like you're, you're doing, you got some powerful stuff going on. I think one of the biggest things people don't realize is porn can be an addiction. I, I, and we'll get into this. Um, but I I have some questions about this because I want to open the bag for guys that maybe don't even look at it that way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely an addiction and what we, um, my research and also studies that are coming out now, it's actually, uh, the largest addiction in the world. Uh, We're talking about a 30% right now in a lot of studies that say basically 30% of the world right now is struggling with pornography use. Um, And that is the people that want to come out and actually talk about it because there is a massive amount of shame and guilt that prevents especially guys like myself or anybody talking about this because of how taboo sexuality and sex has been you know, in the narrative, right, of what we actually live inside of, it just, it's a very taboo subject. So not a lot of people talk about it. Um, Even more so, it's almost demonized in some sort of way. And we also have Mm -hmm. the narrative of religion, right, that basically tells us in a lot of different narratives about how sex is only for marriage or how sex is something that is supposed to be sacred. And the teachings around this, especially in the religious narrative, in the southeast of the united states is actually where the highest amount of porn addiction is why because there is a not there's a lack of tolerance for porn use there's no education around it and what are you going to do when you're a young teenager and you're told you better not watch porn except if you do you're going to go to hell and this is the only consequence Right. Well, again, we're infringing without knowing on our own free will. And when you get infringed on a free will and you're told that you can't do something or you shouldn't do something, what's the natural thing, especially that kids are going to do? Oh, you're going to tell me I can't look at this. I'm going to go check it out. And then what they find is a whole rabbit hole of genres and videos and pictures and cams and all these different things that are now available in this content space. And really it's a huge problem right now for our younger generation. So when we look at the Gen Zers, because the Gen Zers are being raised with telephones, with with smartphones in front of them. And this is why porn Mm -hmm. addiction is the most rampant, because if I want drugs, I need to find a drug dealer And go and find these things, which can be difficult to do. If I want even alcohol, I need to get in my car and drive to a liquor store and get some alcohol. If I want to watch porn, I can literally just pull it up on my phone. I don't have to go anywhere. So ease of convenience has made this a huge problem, not only in America, but again, all across the world. And it's resulting in failed relationships, it's resulting. More, more importantly, it's resulting in this this deep feeling of shame and unworthiness within ourselves that we can't actually live the life that we want to live. And I can even dive deeper into the physical ailments that I experienced from being a porn addict for sixteen years of my life.
0: Yeah, no, we'll dive. We're going to dive into all that, and it's such an eye opening thing because we we look at technology as something that's such a benefit to our lives, but we don't realize. Um, it does. I mean, I, I wouldn't say we, I would say we don't consciously realize that it actually gives us the access to toxic behaviors. Uh, but because they're so normalized, because the fact that either we can do them on a regular basis in the in our privacy, like porn, right. You can just go hop into a bathroom if you want flip on porn and it's cool, but like because we do it so normally, we don't realize, in my opinion, we just don't even realize like how negative that can be to our lives in general. So I I love that you opened up with that. Um, And as we dive into more of this, it's going to be really cool to uncover it with you, especially because of the fact that you you're somebody who has gone through it and not just somebody who's educating on it. So
1: Yeah. yeah, so the experience for me started when I was 14. And I'm 35. Now, so when I was 14, we had just moved from AOL dial-up internet into broadband, so like this faster internet, which resulted again in a flood of content, video content being thrown onto the internet. And I was left alone with a computer in my basement. Uh, my parents were great parents, like, you know, they, didn't, they weren't prepared, right, to understand what was about to happen with the internet and everything else. Um, so yeah. I started watching it. I started to explore inside of there. And at the time, 14 year old kid, well, this is all great. You know, um, I don't have to watch the fuzzies on Cinemax anymore. I don't know if you remember trying to do that as a kid, but <laughs> it, was the, there was that it was like, oh, I think I could see a boob, right? Like, no, full yeah. thing, here it is. So then I started to repetitively do this. And uh, with the lack of supervision, even though my parents had tried, they knew I was doing a little bit of things, but, you know, uh, I was smart. I could find ways around it. You know, I started watching this over time. And by the time I was in college, you know, I must have watched it thousands of times doing the exact same cycle, which this is really, and I'm going to get into this about how we actually heal addiction altogether. It's an emotional addiction. So the cycle of this emotional addiction is I feel triggered in some sort of way. And this trigger can be I'm sexually aroused because I can just easily find it on my computer I feel safe being sexually aroused on a computer. Now I'm watching it in which dopamine is happening, right? So escalation actually will have you start to open up multiple tabs at once, right? So dopamine, dopamine, dopamine. Then you have the release, right? The ultimate feeling of ecstasy. And then afterwards, feeling shameful for doing this and then feeling guilty for doing this. So this is a very... Uh, intense emotional cycle that you can put yourself through in about 30 minutes time. So I was doing this cycle. And by the time I got into college, I had uh, opportunities to actually have sex with women. And I'm you know, just toot my own horn. Like, I'm not a bad looking guy. Like, I was had pretty good um, uh, capabilities of getting with women when I wanted to get with them. But I started to experience something called porn induced erectile dysfunction. Now, I didn't know what that was at the time, but I was experiencing ED while I was in college. And at this point, it started to drive me into all sorts of illusions inside of my mind of like, man, I'm 21 years old, and I'm having trouble getting an erection, you know, with women that I find attractive. So this was the beginning of like really starting to feel very inadequate as a man, right? I mean, my friends are talking about having sex with all these different guys. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm doing that too. But really, I'm not. I'm feeling the shame inside of myself from this. And what did I do? Well, I started to not really put myself in situations with women because a performance anxiety started to come first. I actually started to be fear of intimacy with that. And I dove deeper into pornography. Now, fast forward to the point where I got married and met my first wife. And, uh, you know, when I met her for the first year or so, I was already using Cialis and Viagra. You know, I was like 26, 27, right? To make this happen. And I felt at the time that our connection was so strong that she had, quote unquote, healed me like I I wouldn't really have desire to watch porn or anything like that. Once the two year mark hit and this whole infatuation phase starts to desensitize and then you go back into, okay, what is normal? Well, what was normal for me was watching pornography. And Mm. this turned into something that spiraled all the way down. In which I started experiencing porn induced erectile dysfunction with her, Um, I started then to dive a little bit into drugs right so I was going to search for other highs to try and make myself feel better, then the drugs compounded the porn because now I'm taking drugs that aren't really helping with being able to perform as well in the party drugs. Um, and it resulted in basically you know, her wanting to not be in the relationship with me. After three months of us being married, she looked at me and she said, I don't love you anymore and I'm not attracted to you, anymore. I don't and recognize who you are. So we went uh... for two years after that point of trying to work through this. I was hiding this from her the entire time. She knew I was watching porn, but I was hiding it the most I, the, the most I could, which, by the way, hiding is the symptom of shame. If you're hiding something it's because you're not proud of it. And that is the beginning of an addiction. So if any guys are listening right now and you want to know whether or not you have an addiction to porn well are you transparent with your partner about watching porn, because the hiding is the beginning of the addiction because what you hide mm-hmm. from others is what you're technically hiding for yourself. As you project out this image of who you wanna be, you're withholding the darkness behind you. And then the darkness is actually what's causing all the self-sabotage that's happening in the projection that you're putting out. So, so the, the, the point in which I came out, and this is how deep I was into denial about this. I'm experiencing anxiety. I'm experiencing uh, social anxiety at this point. I'm experiencing uh, performance anxiety. Uh, I'm lying constantly, right? Because I'm trying to hide these things from her. I'm manipulating and controlling situations so that they don't, she doesn't see the addiction. Nobody else sees the addiction. And it came to a point where my ex-wife had found the pornography on my phone. And by the way, found it in incognito mode. Anybody that's listening, if you search something repeatedly in incognito mode, it's still going to use what you've been searching to predict what you're going to search. So she pulls it up and, uh, well, actually, we walked to, our, to my truck at the time. We get in the truck. She says, I have something to talk to you about. She pulls up the phone and she says, what's this? Now, at this point, I had experienced something called escalation, not only in the dopamine escalation of opening up multiple tabs, but I was watching things that were way far off from what actual heterosexual sex was because of the different genres. Oh, nice. Now, dopamine escalation says that you just need to watch something different. Content be damned. It doesn't really matter. So I started with heterosexual sex, and then we start moving into, oh, here's uh, you know BDSM and orgies and all these different things, again, that you can find on here that are so far away from what it's like to actually have sex with a woman that all of these searches are here. Now my shame is right in front of me. She says, what's this? I deny it, I say, it wasn't me. She says, this is your phone. Who else could it be? Said, it wasn't me, somebody hacked my phone. Third time, she says, I'm going to ask you one more time. And if you lie to me again, I'm leaving you. I still denied it and then immediately admitted it. Denied it three times. Even with the threat of her leaving me, I couldn't actually come to the acceptance and the ownership of who I had been. Now, after that point, we again tried to work on our relationship. I went through the process of my own healing. And although I did heal the behavioral addiction, of watching the porn, I still had multiple programmed behaviors of lying, controlling, and manipulating, which were ultimately the reasons why she left. So, this is just my story of like being incarcerated inside of this addiction. And now, doing what I do with helping other men inside of this space, it is incredibly common and it's under resourced in, in the way to actually heal from this addiction without what I call the 12, the matrix of the 12 steps. Which is mm-hmm. something that the Matrix created. Now, my experience with the 12 steps was is yeah. So I went to a, a therapist, I went to a sex therapist, I went to anxiety therapist, they wanted me to go to these meetings. And first of all, I go to the meeting and I there's there's multiple meetings. There's SAA, there's you know AA, there's all these different things. And I pass back by the first door that has the most people in it. I'm like, that must be AA. And then I go to the last door, and there's not a lot of people in. I open the door. And they're like, well, this is AA. What are you looking for? I'm looking for SAA. Oh, it's the first door on the left. There was 30 people in that room compared to 10 in AA. Wow. Now I'm sitting inside of it and they're trying to tell me first that I need to self-identify. Hi, my name's Zach. I'm a porn addict. And then secondly, mm. they start with, you have to admit that you're powerless over your addiction. And There's a constant communication of you will always struggle with this. So they're putting spells on me. They're one, making me identify with it as who I am. Two, they're telling me that for the rest of my life, I'm going to be battling this. And three, they're depowering me, telling me that I have no control over this. When the truth is, is I always had the choice. The choice was just hidden from me. I didn't understand that I had Um. one. So this is why I started to realize that oh, this isn't the way that I wanna do this. So I stopped doing 12 steps and I started doing other things. I started learning about the mind. I started learning about neuroplasticity. I started learning about uh, 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 neurological remapping and subconscious remapping. I started learning about epigenetics. Uh, I really started to bring in meditation into my life and spirituality and consciousness. and really starting to understand the elevation of the consciousness to get out of these low frequency emotions. And then it was revealed to me that the real addiction is not the behavior, it's the emotional addiction to shame and guilt. Because if I still feel shameful and guilty throughout my life, I might stop watching porn. But then I might just add in drugs, or I add in Uh. wasting time on social media, or games, or, um, you know, anything else to distract me ultimately from the emotions that I'm afraid to face. So that's actually how we help heal guys permanently. Is that we focus on actually working through how to alchemize the shame, the guilt, the regret that they're feeling in their life to own it and to alchemize it into love and understanding and gratitude.
0: Yeah, that's that's amazing. Thank you for sharing the story about how you got to that point too. I think a lot of guys um, out there today, whether they want to admit it or not, going to find themselves being like, "Oh shit!" Like I'm I'm kind of in that position. But one of the things I want to take you back to that I'd love for you to share is, you know, as a man, how did that feel? How did that feel with who you were in your own form and your conscious level of masculinity? How did it make you feel when you realized, like, fuck, I was going so far to protect my insecurities that I, I was willing to lose this woman that I claimed I loved by denying her three times when she already knew the truth?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it was just the. It, it was the first time that I actually had to own something and take responsibility rather than sitting in the victimization of blaming my upbringing, blaming porn, blaming all these different things. Now, the feeling that I felt was a deep, deep feeling of shame and unworthiness. I mean, and, and the best way I can describe of how this was happening in my relationships, not only with my my partner, but also with my friends is that I constantly felt like I had to lie about who I was. I constantly Mm fabricated how good I was doing, right? And I'm projecting out that I'm great when really I'm dying on the inside. I mean, I'm suffering, suffering on the inside. And also the problem is, and if we go down to the root of why I'm suffering, it's because I'm afraid. I was afraid that if I told her, she would judge me. I was afraid if I told her, she would leave me. I'm afraid if I told other guys that I was struggling with this, that they would see me as lesser than, right? And this is the thing with masculinity in a sense of, and I don't like you, there is no toxic masculinity. There's only trauma that's unresolved that creates toxicity. So my trauma that I had had been self-inflicted inside of me, right, was creating toxic, destructive behavior and through that, I was a mess. I, I suffered from anxiety attacks. I suffered from depression. I, I couldn't get myself out of depression a lot of different times. Um, there was times in which I felt, I, I mean, again, feeling absolutely worthless, but not only feeling worthless, but feeling as if I shouldn't even be in this experience. I, I was toying multiple times with killing myself over this process. Realizing, mm-hmm. figure, th- 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 and, and again, believing that I did not choose my life that I did not choose these things to happen, that I had no choice. And that Mm -hmm. was the biggest illusion that was kept from me through all these fears is that I did have a choice and I always do have a choice. And anybody that's listening, you always have a choice. It's about becoming aware of where you're not empowering your choice to choose something different that ultimately moves you forward in the exact man that you intend to be.
0: Yeah. And one of the things that first comes up for me about the choice is that I think, and I'd love to get you to expand on this is, you know, what I believe precedes the choice is understanding that you're actually in a toxic behavior or you're in an addiction. Um, And so can you, can you expand on that a little bit to help guys kind of maybe assess and potentially help them to come to ownership of the fact that they're in an addiction?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I call this the three keys to speed. And this goes for healing. This goes for moving through change, getting through challenges. It is the the, the framework for this. And it's acceptance, understanding and forgiveness. Acceptance is the resistance point. That is the point of what I was going through, which is denial. Right. I'm denying that I have issues. Even though I knew that I did, I didn't want to accept it because if I accepted it, that meant that the darkness that I was keeping behind all these feelings of being unworthy, of not being a good man, of not being a good partner, I had to own up to. And I didn't want to own up to those things because I wanted to be a good partner. I wanted to be a good man. I wanted to be these things. And truthfully, my spirit, my soul told me I was. So it was very confusing for me to be lost Uh literally in the, the impulses of my mind and the comfortability of my body and not realizing that I could choose through that experience. So the acceptance is the beginning to healing. You cannot heal anything that you do not accept to be true, right? Actually in your experience. Uh... And it's the one thing that most guys, not only in addiction, I'm talking about just everything. Cause I, I work with guys with the addiction, but I also work with a lot of six and seven figure entrepreneurs that are men working with them on just expanding their presence and their power and their purpose. And that all comes through going through their own suffering first. <laughs> they don't want uh, to go through it. They want to act like it doesn't exist. So we have to start accepting that this is the problem. And the problem is, especially with addiction, I would make every other uh, story or excuse that it wasn't that. No, it's not that I don't feel good about myself. It's this. No, it's not that this is an addiction. It's this this constant projection and deflection of responsibility. Now, acceptance is the most painful thing to do because then you actually have to admit to yourself that you were that and that you are that. But it's also, again, the beginning because once you can actually look at it through a truthful lens, now we can move into understanding. The understanding mm-hmm. part for, for me is mostly what I'm working with with guys because they've already accepted it as a problem. So we get to go into understanding. And really start to find out exactly where these stories, these illusionary stories are, and creating what I call fortification statements. And what we're doing is we're just fortifying the mind and the and the, the body um, against the soul, essentially allowing the soul to fortify itself against the mind and body. And those are true statements, mm-hmm. right? So for instance, in a very broad way, one of the most healing statements that I had through this process was the acknowledgement that I was doing the best I could with the knowledge that I had. That was something that I came to. Now, what did that do for me? It got rid of all of the I shoulda, I woulda, I coulda. Well, I shoulda, woulda, coulda didn't do anything other than what I did. <laughs> That's the mm-hmm. truth of the experience, right? So then when I can actually acknowledge, well, I, didn't, I actually didn't know any better. Like studies didn't even come out until 2009 and 2010 about the damage of video pornography compared to still images. I was already deep in. I started in 2000. I was already nine, 10 years into this thing before they were even studying this to find out the damage that video pornography was doing. So that allowed me to create some space, right? And it did two Mm -hmm. things. It was a very powerful, powerful statement. One, it helped me with the forgiveness of myself. And then two, with the knowledge that I had motivated me to want to learn more. Now, that's a broad Mm -hmm. statement. What I do with my clients is there's a lot of illusionary stories that we need to reorient. These are misperceptions. And then aligning them with truth. Because what happens is that these perceptions ultimately create something called an identity loop, right? So here's an identity that I was experiencing. I'm afraid to have sex. I don't think I'm going to be able to perform having sex with my wife. That's what I feel. So I get my put into the experience, the action. Well, I manifested that action. That's exactly what happens. The result of that just reinforces the perception that I'm not able to have sex with my ex-wife. So what's the problem? Well, most behavior coaches go for the behavior. Well, let's just stop watching porn. Like I said, we can just shift in anything else until we deal with the misperception of the mind. So the work that I do with my clients, the work I do myself is to really start looking at, okay, what is an illusion and what is true? And then aligning those true perceptions to my actions and then through what's called subconscious remapping, which is the ability to start to change and remap the body, reprogram the body to orient and align with the mind and the soul. Then after a while, I just was that. But it took a lot of intentional work inside of that. Now, once I did that, that was about a year of work. And then after that, and this was me self-discovery, right? Never, I had no, not a lot of yeah. guidance. was just It was just motivated to do this. And then I started to work into the forgiveness space. I started to forgive myself. And most people think that forgiving themselves is a one-time thing. It's not just like you have to be repetitive with acting in a new way. You need to be repetitive with forgiving yourself until your brain, your mind stops flashing out the things that you still held result unresolved trauma about.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's incredibly, um, it's incredibly insightful because I don't I think a lot of times, especially with us men, we think if we attack a problem, we go after it, we find the solution, it's a one-time thing, right? And uh, it, there's and especially when it comes to addiction, it becomes a, a repetitive action that has to be taken. And sometimes it may be a week, once a week, sometimes it's daily, sometimes it, it's once a month, you know, but as you kind of go through that reprogramming and shifting that neur- uh, your neurological synaptic responses, once you start to shift that, you're able to actually say, oh, okay, now there's either more time or there can eventually be an eradication of it because you've created a new pathway for yourself, right?
1: Exactly. And and again, s- stepping into acceptance allowed me to, ex- the, where I felt like I didn't have a choice, allowed me to start exploring all these areas that were on autopilot that were programmed, where I felt like I wouldn't have a choice and then starting to make and become aware of the choice points that were inside of there. I was like, oh, I'm choosing... Yeah. To watch porn i'm choosing when my ex-wife is leaving i'm choosing to be triggered and getting on to here right when i'm uh, feeling stressed or anxious i'm choosing to stop whatever i'm doing and escape into whatever it is in my sense it was born these are all choices but for for me i didn't understand what that was so i didn't think i had it so the heat yeah. started to happen when i became aware of what i call the choice points that are again currently hidden but they've always been there you just need to step into the awareness that they are there
0: So what, what were the effects that you started to see? So let's, let's just look at, okay, we have the bedroom, obviously that becomes a factor. What were the other effects that you were seeing by allowing this to kind of this addiction to kind of pervade and be outside of your awareness to where you didn't accept it. Right. But what was it causing before the acceptance?
1: Well, so, you know, talking about what was happening with my ex-wife, ex wife knew I was watching porn and also knew that I was struggling to have sex with her and that our intimacy had declined. So what did she do? Well, she started blaming herself. I'm not pretty enough, right? I'm not good enough, right? He doesn't love me, all these different things. And that depowered our relationship as she was dealing with her own interpretation and perception of what I was doing. And because I wasn't open about it and transparent about it, she couldn't understand So what happens is, is that I have me over here projecting out who I want to be. And I have her over here projecting out who she thinks I am. Right. But both of Mm. it is illusionary because we don't just open our mouths and talk to each other. But again, we weren't equipped like she wasn't equipped to deal with this type of thing. I wasn't equipped to deal with this type of thing. I was not taught about pornography. I was not taught about addiction. I was not taught about these things when I was young. I didn't know what to do. So we were both put into a position where we, we truly loved each other, but we didn't love the people that we were becoming. And I would say that she wasn't showing up for me, right? She was, a, you know what I mean? But we never talked about, well, what do you need? Because we were afraid to. I was afraid to, and she was afraid to. So that's where it really started to, again, our relationship started to decline because it was not only that, communication started to decline, trust, right? There's no trust because I'm lying, obviously. And that's where it happened inside of my actual marriage. Well, where it happened inside of like building a business, I was an entrepreneur, like I was building a fitness business at the time. Well, I was constantly doubting myself. I was constantly feeling inadequate. I was constantly feeling shameful. Um, I was constantly overspending, you know, just throwing money away because I didn't feel like I should keep it. I wasn't even worthy of it as we made more money inside of that. And it was all these different things that were showing up. I wasn't focused during the day Right, this lack of focus. And the other thing that porn does to you, it it desensitizes you from your partner because what are you doing? Literally, you're watching this shit all the time. Think about, you know, the news, right? Like if you were just, and I watched this happen with my mom actually during COVID. My mom is like, her her baseline is a very compassionate and loving woman. And then COVID hit. And then we also had the election with Trump and Biden and all she was doing watching news. Well, she's being filtered in all this negativity, right? And it influences her belief system, exactly what's happening with pornography. It's influencing your own belief system about what sex is about women, what women are and what the expectations are inside of the sexual relationship.
0: Yeah. And, and that's really powerful to point out because, um, it really takes, it draws away from the connection of what sex is where you're connecting two people, mind, body, and soul and presence. And you're able to actually build a stronger force of energy between one another. Whereas like when you have that desensitization of sex, that you're, you're not going to achieve what these manufactured scenes achieve. Like that's not real life, right? Like that's, unless it's played out and it's scripted, that's not necessarily what real life is. So bringing that forward and actually addressing the fact that, Hey, like that's a huge desensitization for your mind and for your relationships, really a great thing to come to an awareness of. But the other thing I wanted to touch on a little bit with you as well is how, how do we talk to guys out there that are like, all right, Zach, like I could quit if I want to, I just choose to do it because it's like a, it's a payment for myself when I do something well, or, or if I'm having some high stress, like it's something that I do because, because it helps me relieve that stress. And I come back a better father or husband. What, what do we say to these kinds of guys too to help them see something different? Maybe
1: I was telling them that pride is the biggest limitation to their growth. And and Mm. there's, there's plenty of guys that I have a lot of contact with that choose not to jump into the program because they feel like they can do it themselves. And then because of my experience, for instance, I, I say this, Hey, when I was 24, 25, another voice inside of me, what I call the inner voice, right. Or God's voice, whatever it is that you want to actually intuition said, you know what? The porn is really a problem in your life. And then for the next, this is what actually caused it to get worse for me is because now I actually knew that it was a problem. I just wasn't facing it even within myself. So now I have this duality of conflict where this inner voice is telling me, you need to stop watching the porn. The porn is what's causing all your problems. And then my ego, my mind is telling me, no, that's not true. Just keep on doing this. So then I suffered for the next five years. And again, getting worse, right? Drug abuse and everything that's happening inside of it. All because, again, I actually knew now that it was a problem. So I was just trying to, mm. them. I was like, guys, like I, resp- I, I always tell them, I'm like, okay, if you want to do this yourself, I want to tell you that I, I truly hope that you can heal this by yourself. I hope that you can, but here's my story about how I said the same thing to myself. And it still took me five years to lose my marriage, to lose my business, to lose my friend group for me to actually admit the fact that I needed help. And if I mm. could have just taken those five years and said, admitted it when I was then, my life would have been completely different from that time. Now, I have no regrets about those five years because now it's a story to be able to help other guys. But pride is the biggest limitation for men. It's like uh, getting men in like one space is like hurting cats. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it really is. Try to get like, you know, it's, it's that type of same feeling. So what I do is I predict for them. I say, here's some things that you can start to look at you're telling me you can do this by yourself. Here's some things that you can take with you. Here's some impulse control strategies. Here's some things that you can start to notice in your mind. And if you're starting to notice these things, I just ask that you come back when you feel ready. Most of the time mm-hmm. with addiction, but like I said, there's so much shame, there's so much guilt that they're not being honest in their life, they're not being honest with themselves, they're not being honest with their partners, and they have the same fears that I did. I come out about this, I'm going to get judged. If I come out about this, my ex-wife is going to leave me if, or my wife is going to leave me if I come out about this. I my my friends are going to, you know, leave me, all these different things, right? But the truth of the matter is is that if you're transparent about it, you're going to find the love and understanding that you've been looking for instead of feeling misunderstood and feeling as if again you're you're not the person that you actually want to be through the process. So that's what I do for them. I give them a prediction and then when I don't mean this from an egotistical space. I mean, this from experience and what happens when my predictions start to come true, typically they'll come back to me after a while, but I'm like, man, you could collapse time. Like I could, the guys that were healing, were healing in 90 days. We could collapse time and you're healing. You go 90 days instead of five years. What's your choice. They just don't see it until they experience it.
0: Mm, Yeah. It's really funny, man. I don't know why we as men have this, but I can count even in my own life where I'm like, nah, I'll get this shit done myself. I'll do it. And had I just, taking the time to maybe invest in myself or invest in, in somebody helping me along the way, accountability or teaching, I could already be in the place I desire to be yeah. in a fraction of the time. And I just don't, yeah, us as men, we really struggle with that. And I don't know why, because it's not even just with things like this. It's, it's just with a lot of different things in our lives We're that's why that's the Tim Allen, right? The, uh, oh yeah, I'm going to fix it myself. The, you know, it's just, Yeah, we can maybe, but a lot of times, like it's probably much faster for us to learn with somebody there helping us that's been through it or that has the experience or has the tools, right? And then if we run into it later, we can work on that um, ourselves and we're, we're more equipped as you put it, right? We have the, we have the ability to address it, but without that, man, we, it's just so funny. It's such a, such a mind fuck for us guys.
1: Yeah. And just as like an analogy to this, you know, and I can't remember the name of the guy. I know it's, it's a philosopher, but he says, you know, men suffer because they are both sculptor and statue. Right. And that's what's the, mm. right. And all, all, all of humans are sculptor and statue inside of this space. But if you can just take a second and be the statue and give somebody else the, the pick to show you how to sculpt, then you start to sculpt in the right direction. But until then, you're just picking at shit and throwing out things and seeing if this is going to work on this doesn't work and throwing out something else is going to work and all of that. And and then some guys don't even see if it's going to work because they're afraid to experience. Mm -hmm. And they have these perceptions in their mind that ultimately limit them from experiencing an example of this. Um, Maybe somebody maybe you're listening right now as a man and you're struggling with porn. You're like, oh, all this sounds great and everything else, but I don't think that's going to work for me. You know what? Matter of fact, I know it's not going to work for me. I'd rather go to a therapist. You don't know shit. Only (laughs) knowledge comes through an experience. So how would you know if something's going to work for you without going through an experience? So you're really just masking your pride around fear, which is really the thing. Pride is just the inverse of fear of inadequacy and, and then puffing up our chest for pride. Saying something's not going to work for you, limiting you from the experience, not having the experience, and then continuing to have the same perceptions that limit you from the knowledge that you can get from the experience. It's a trick of the Uh mind. And it's it's very hard to get through that trick of the mind. But we have to start understanding that knowledge only comes through experience. And if you're sitting here and telling me that you think that something's not going to work for you, you don't know. You're just perceiving it. And we confuse that as being knowledge.
0: Well that and the fact that you're just you're literally creating a story for yourself to protect that insecurity because if it becomes true, then you have to deal with it you know yep. then you have to then you have to accept it or you have to call Zach and be like Zach, I need help but if you if you can keep yourself from finding that truth, you don't have to take action you can be, that does that's not gonna work for me because it's not true you know yeah it's it's very it's a very tricky game that we play, but I think it also lends to the high levels of depression and sadness and loneliness that men experience. And also that goes into the high level of suicides that men have in comparison to women. Um, and all that stuff plays into it.
1: Yeah. I mean, the origin, the the origin of almost everybody's suffering, but especially men is separation. It's the the origin of the suffering Mm -hmm. and separation. When you feel disconnected from your wife, when you feel disconnected from God, when you feel disconnected from your work, when you feel disconnected from yourself, you are divided within yourself. You are dividing yourself away from the resources that are available to you to actually learn and grow and go faster. And yeah. inside of that, when we talk about another trick of the mind of projection, right? So we're talking about insecurities and everything else. Well, projection is a very, very tricky thing that the mind does. So let's say you're feeling guilty, right? Well, what do you do? If you don't own it, you project out your guilt onto other people. And we do that through judgment. So for instance, if we're talking about judgment, and you're in a court case, right? And the judge was gonna rule. What are the only two outcomes of judgment?
0: Innocent? Mm-hmm. Guilty or not guilty, yeah. Guilty or not guilty,
1: yep. Now, anybody that's listening, I would have you ask this question. How often do you judge yourself as being innocent? Hardly ever. <laughs> you're always judging yourself as being guilty. So because you judge yourself as being guilty, you then judge others as being guilty in a way to, in an imbalanced view of equality. Because if equality is a straight line and you judge yourself as being guilty, now you're judging yourself as being lesser than. Well, now you're going to judge other people as mm-hmm. being guilty to bring them down to you so that you feel equal. But really, the, the value that you're putting on yourself is zilch. So what happens mm-hmm. is, is that we project out our guilt. And then at the same time, the mind thinks it's taken action through the projection. But now it's hidden the guilt from yourself because you're not taking ownership for it. So what happens? You temporarily feel okay. And then you wake up the next day, you feel fucking guilty. You project it out and then you withhold it. And you wake up the next day, you feel guilty. Next day, guilty. And the same thing, shame. All these emotions that you do not want to admit, you're just holding on to them. So it's about literally the, the key to this is responsibility. <laughs> Taking responsibility for mm-hmm. emotions. And this is how, let me do it. This is how tricky guilt is projected. Let's say you're working a lot and you have your wife, and you say, hey babe, do you feel like we haven't spend, been spending enough time together lately? I've just projected out my guilt. Because really, I feel that way. And I'm asking the, my wife for validation of whether she does. Now, how is she going to respond? Yeah, I've been telling you that the entire time. Like, yes, I want to spend more time with you. Like, please, this is what I want. Now, here's how we own it. Hey babe, I feel guilty because I know I've been working a lot lately. And I'd really like to make more time for us to spend together. What do you think about that? Now mm-hmm. she says, maybe that's exactly, I, I, I've been wanting to tell, I've been telling you, but I'm, I'm happy that you're actually talking about it. I would love to try and find a way to spend time together. And it's that tricky. All you had to do is add one sentence in the beginning and say, own your emotion and you don't hold on to it. But the deferment and the projection of the responsibility away from it makes you feel guilty every single day. So now let's take a bird's eye view of the next 50 years of your life. And for the next 50 years of your life, for a total amount of time, you only feel guilty for one year instead of feeling guilty for the next 50 years of your life, all because you're mm-hmm. only guilty. And, and I want to make sure that they understand this. Guilt and shame are not bad emotions. They are powerful emotions. If you fuck up and make a mistake, feel guilty. That's what it's there for. Yeah. And acknowledge that you made a mistake so you don't feel guilty and then find the lesson so you can rectify that, right, to actually move forward in a way that makes you feel uh, like you're actually moving forward in your growth. If you've done something that's bad and out of alignment with your character, you're going to feel shame. And it's a signal Mm. there to let you know that, hey, you're doing something that's out of alignment with your values and your morals and your principles. So look at it and let's not do that again. But instead, Mm -hmm. most men say, nope. Shame doesn't exist. Nope, my guilt doesn't exist. Nope, these feelings of inadequacy doesn't exist. Nope, fear doesn't exist. And then they wake up every single day feeling the same way. And then we have the compounding, I'll say compounding interest of this that creates emotional baggage. One thing makes you feel guilty, mm-hmm. you don't own it. Two things make you feel guilty, you don't own it. A hundred things make you feel guilty, you don't own it. And now you're trying to go as fast as you can with a 50 pound sack on your back. And I promise you, I'm going to run right by you because I'm not holding yeah. on to it. And I've learned that only through my experience of holding on to guilt and shame for 16 years of my life for me to learn how to alchemize it and release it. And then when I talk about alchemy, I'm talking about literally transforming shame into love. And this is how this happens. I feel shameful. I feel shameful. I'm going to use I feel shameful about my porn addiction. I come clean with my my ex-wife. And let's say I'm with my wife right now. And this is how this could have gone. Hey, I want to let you know that I've been struggling with porn addiction. I don't know how to deal with it. I, 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 I was watching this long before I met you. I, I don't understand how this is happening. I know this is causing a lot of havoc and I really just want to heal from it and understand how to do it. And she will love the shit out of you for that. Cause she'll be like, fuck man. I finally know. I finally know what's been wrong with you. Right. And I'm, guys are always, oh, Hey, babe, babe, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Your wife knows what's up. Her intuition knows what's up. She feels that something's off and she would just say, thank God he's finally talking about it. And then all these feelings of being misunderstood are gone because you are understood. Oh, this is what you're going through. I had no idea how to support you before and now I do. Okay, how can we work through this together? And then that's where love and understanding starts to come and your relationship actually starts to deepen and it all comes through this little word called transparency. But fear creates a transparency is translucent there's nothing right transparency is nothing but fear creates this illusionary wall of transparency of again fear of it fear of being wrong fear of actually fear of judgment fear of failure fear of loss all these different things create this wall so that you can't be transparent when really transparency is the key to your freedom
0: yeah and So for, for my guys out there too, because I want to add one piece to this and I, and I'm sure this is is like something that's a huge part of this whole trend, this alchemization um, that you teach. And that's not only, you know, the love that they will have for you, but it's the love you'll have for yourself when you release that that burden. Um, And, uh, you know, because I know my old self in the back, when you're talking, I always try to put my old self forward, the guy that I've continued to grow from and use his experiences. So when he's sitting next to me, listening to you right now, he, he's like, all right, Zach, but what if you can't predict how she's going to act? What if she still leaves me? Cause she's appalled and she doesn't trust me now, or doesn't feel connected to me because of this. And I was thinking if Zach said one thing to that guy, he'd be like, fuck, yeah, Zach's right. And you, you do say it. And I know you say it, um, which is that the love for yourself is there, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So like if that was the case and that was the thing that came back to me, I would say, cool. So like my can't, you need to release your attachment to the fact that you're supposed to be together Mm -hmm. right now. This is what, this is what you've done. You have projected out an image of who you are and withheld something from that. You have manipulated mm-hmm. your wife to fall in love with not the entirety of you. The, she's fallen in love with a projection of you. And that's not who you are. And that's unfair to her. So she yeah. needs to know. And, and, and again, giving you like hindsight 2020 and who I am now, like I, I talk about everything. I'm transparent. I'm with, uh, I have a fiance now that I have a relationship mm-hmm. that I never thought I could ever have with anybody in, 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 at all. Because I'm willing to talk about everything, and we're willing to work through everything. And she's also there and understands and appreciates the transparency that comes through it. And that's why our relationship is so beautiful. And that's why our communication is so pure, is because every single time we talk, even if it's something that's not fun to talk about, we know that the intention is to create more love, understanding, and unity inside of our relationship. I wouldn't have had that without going through what I went through. And, and again, we're attached to these stories that, well, this is my wife. This is who I'm supposed to be with. Not necessarily. Some people come into your life to be teachers and some people come into your life to be, you know, consistent and be with you for the rest of your life. The hard part is, is that the emotional intensity you feel is the same. Because mm-hmm. the lesson, the, both lessons are just as profound. Having somebody leave you mm-hmm. and going through the process of self-discovery because they left you. And then also having a deep and loving relationship with somebody for the rest of your life profound lessons both of them are valuable but you have to be able to distinguish the difference between the two
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and it's like it's for guys to to learn that you can love yourself and that that is incredibly important for this life that we have because at the end of the day no relationship you're going to end up in anyways is going to be fulfilling or happy if you're constantly hiding something because you can't be you or you don't love you right
1: yeah. And, and again, it's the trick of the mind because it's what we want. What do we want? We want to be fully loved, fully seen and fully heard. It's what we want. Yep. And then like, I love Tony Robbins. I love him, but I'm going to say that like the clips that you see of him, he's like, you can have a beautiful life. Not unless you don't go through your own suffering to go out and have a beautiful life. Like yeah. you can't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to love myself. If you actually haven't, <laughs> things that are inhibiting you from loving yourself. And it creates right. a false illusion that I can just go forward and be a certain way. And it's like, no, you actually have to do the deep work to understand how you get to that point. And that's what mm-hmm. the difference is, is, that also me and Julia don't have, Julia is my fiance. We don't have a codependent relationship. Codependency says that I don't love myself unless you love me, essentially. And now with her, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I have did the work to love myself. She's done the work to love herself. And we now have me and her. And then we have the third entity, which is the relationship. And I've told yeah. her multiple times, and and this, and she, she accepts this in the exact way that I'm glad that she does. I said, if we broke up and we weren't together anymore, I would definitely be hurt and sad, but I would never be in a position that I was with my ex-wife in which I had this story that I could only be worthy of anything unless I had her. I would never go through yeah. that again. And that actually empowers the relationship to be a better relationship, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. A trick of the mind, yeah. you feel like you have to have it. But then no, our relationship is deep and beautiful and, and powerful, because we both know and love of ourselves. And so we can serve each other in the best way we can inside the relationship.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. That's how my wife and I live our relationship as well. We always tell everybody, we're two independent people who come who make a choice to come together every day and create something beautiful together. But she is perfectly okay, if I were not here, while well, it might hurt her, or me, right? Vice versa. So it's really, I love that because that's something that you know we teach. And I think it's incredibly powerful for couples to start to lean more in that direction because that's where true happiness can be found. But um, such a beautiful time, brother. This has just flown by beautiful conversation with you. Um, you've been on here just freaking dropping knowledge bombs for guys. <laughs> you've dropped a lot of tools in here for guys. So I greatly appreciate that. So having us serve you now, let us know where we can find you, how we can be part of your programs and what programs you have going on right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So luckily my name, Zach Blakeney is pretty much all of my social media. Not a lot of people have my name. Uh, so Instagram, (laughs) LinkedIn, Facebook, um, starting up a TikTok just because why not? Um, and and, and then the, uh, the different areas that I have. So first of all, if you just want to have a conversation with me, if you just DM me red pill, like all know that you're coming from this podcast. And again, it doesn't have to be if you're interested in the program. If you just have some questions about what I talked about or anything else like that, I'm happy to serve in that type of way. So you can reach out to me that way. Uh, when it comes to the the two programs that I have for men, I have basically the red pill method. Um, I don't know if there's gonna be links in the show notes or not, but you can find- Yes, there will. Okay, yeah. cool. So you can find the links in the show notes. I have one that's actually for men that wanna heal pornography addiction in, in 90 days. And we're doing so at a huge success rate. Inside of there, I actually co-coach with my, uh, I call her my sister. Her name's Liv, and she actually helps coach the women. So that's Mm. how we maintain the relationship. We say without sacrificing your relationship or your reputation, because we have support for both of you to be able to work through it. And we help facilitate the transparent conversations so that your wife can detach from her personal feelings and start to see the pattern with compassion. And we can actually work through it. And the oh, other beautiful. one is, is also a red pill method, but it's just for men, really ambitious men. I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and executives that really want to understand how to expand their presence, their power, and their purpose. And what it is, is that you have an infinitely powerful being, creative being that's inside of you. And when you can learn to trust it, and when you can learn to, to, to discredit the illusionary fear-based stories that you have in your mind, you will just catapult forward into really starting to build the life that you want to build as the powerful creator of your experience so these tools basically what i do is i teach emotional intelligence and the spirituality and the consciousness and bringing people into a new awareness of these awareness points of these choice points and really how to get rid of all these destructive habits um, all the limitations that we say to ourselves the scarcity mindset all these different things there so That's what I work with primarily now. And again, if anybody is interested, if you're a man that's interested, just know that I hold a very non-biased, non-judgmental space uh, just for you to show up as authentic as you can so that we can really start doing the deep work as fast as possible.
0: Mm, I love that, brother. And to everybody listening, especially to our men out there who may feel like they're leaning towards the addiction and need some help, um, please reach out to Zach, guys. Let him know that you you guys are going down that path or you feel you are uh, Zach's got you covered. He's got your back. So truly appreciate that. And anybody that feels like potentially, um, this could be something that is going on in their life and just maybe wants a little more clarity, please reach out to Zach, get some, get some support in your corner.
1: Yeah. Also we have a a porn addiction quiz. It's just a 10 question quiz and it takes the symptoms of what porn addiction would be in. And it'll kind of, you know, again, guys want to have some sort of logical grounded baseline to look at um and you know i can send that over to you to put in the show notes as well and uh, you can also find it on my social media uh in any of the links as well
0: awesome yeah and everybody listening as always remember that this will be in the show notes so you'll be able to to link all this back to zach um take advantage of it please like i said man this is if this is something you're in this is something that's powerful it's impacting a lot of men today and we just want you guys to be healthy and your truest highest self so Truly appreciate that. Zach, this has been a blast, brother. Before I let you go, I got your last question for you, which is what does the art of masculinity mean to you?
1: To me, it's actually sitting inside of your own individual personal power and understanding and knowing exactly what that is. Every man on this planet is here to do something different. Of course, we have like things that we're doing, but each one of us has a power inside of us that's individual to us. And if you can unlock that, you can find that and you can start living that masculinity just becomes a thing that you are rather than something you're trying to achieve to be.
0: Mm, So good, brother. Thank you for that. Well, appreciate your time, my friend. And as always, everybody listening, remember to drop the ego and stay humble until next time, guys.